The Wars of the Roses date back to the 15th century, and while Manchester gets its own fancy county these days, it realistically still represents Lancashire, and that means that any battle with Yorkshire has a bit of oomph attached. This Sunday, we're going for some old-school football loathing. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. No loathing required when it comes to my regular wingman, Mark O'Hare. Mark, Leeds have generally had a horrible time against the Red Devils since they came back into the Premier League. Do you see this one turning out the same way? Because it just seems that matchup just does not work for Leeds at all. No, it doesn't. Um, I'm not sure it'll be quite as bad as, as what happened in the reverse game at Old Trafford on the opening weekend of the season, but I, I can't see Leeds going too well. I mean, I have to lace this with the fact that I don't seem to be getting leads right too often this season. But, you know, I thought last weekend's game of Everton was, was right for goals and I thought Leeds would be right in that match. But, um, you know, we've got the winner in terms of a, a goal-heavy game, but uh, Leeds were you know, very, very poor. Uh, I know Rodrigo hit the bar twice, but thoroughly outplayed, deservedly beaten, Bielsa admitted as much. No shots on target, 21 shots conceded. Um, they are erratic. Um, they do expect them to raise themselves for this game, considering the, the nature of it. But uh, ultimately, they've only won five Premier League games so far this season. Obviously, we have to asterisk the, the season based on all the injuries that they've suffered as well. Uh, and consistency, therefore, has been an issue. But um, Stuart Dallas was the latest to go off injured. We'll miss out this weekend. I think he's a, a massive loss um, because he's so influential. He's so versatile as well to that team. He's so ingrained in the Bielsa way. Uh, I think they will miss him. And when you're missing him as well as the spine in terms of Cooper, Phillips and Bamford, you know, it's a tough task really for Leeds. And uh, yeah, you're right. Stylistically, they don't tend to suit playing these big teams who tend to expose them for going man to man um, and play through them a little bit too easily. And if you look so far this season, Leeds have played the top half uh, 11 times. They've won once, drawn twice, lost eight and conceded multiple goals in eight of those matches as well, uh, eight of nine matches against the top eight. And it's not just actual goals either. If you drill into the performance data, it paints a really you know, uncomfortable picture really for Leeds when they do take on the elite of the league. Uh, and it was the same last season as well. They picked up 45 of their four, 59 points against teams below them in the table. So um, price-wise, I think United are, are perfectly fine um, at the minute, trading at a sort of shade of odds on. Um, they were 1.83 in this fixture last season. And... Although the eye test says otherwise, I think they have been accumulating points since uh, Solskjaer was removed at a reasonable rate. Seven wins, five draws, one defeat. They've only failed to score once. They've only shipped multiple goals twice in the Premier League. And it's easy to forget how good their away record has been since the start of last season. It's just tw beaten twice on the road in the Premier League. They've scored in every away game so far this season. Fully expect them to score at least once here, considering Leeds have conceded um, 26 in the last nine Premier League games. But eight of those nine games have also gone over two and a half goals. So I just think United's talent um, will just be too much for Leeds, really. And I think you can back Manchester United to win the match at a reasonable price. But you can boost that odds to, to around 2.3 by adding in over one and a half goals. Um, if you think United are going to win, I think it's probably unlikely that they win this match just 1-0, uh, considering you know how Leeds play. So, um, yeah, I, I like United in this matchup. The data doctor's on call, ready to administer his latest dose of betting advice. Jake Oscarthorpe from Infogol back in the team. Jake, this is never a good matchup 
uh, for Leeds, certainly since they came back into the Premier League. But I wanted to ask you about Bielsa's style and his team because how difficult is it to get it to match up with the model? Because he plays in a way that almost nobody else plays. Yeah, it's it's very gung-ho wide open, isn't it, in the way in which they play. And, and ultimately, they create a fair few chances, but also concede quite a lot. And I think the big difference from last season to this season is that their attacking output's actually decreased, which is kind of understandable when you look at the absentees. I mean, Bamford's been missing for much, much of the season. Rodrigo's missing for the early parts as well. Even Calvin Phillips, who has a massive impact in progressing the ball um, for, forward for Leeds, has been missing as you know we've seen the kind of impact that him not being there has had um and ultimately what we've seen from a a rolling xg standpoint is that the defensive processes remain fairly consistent which has been you know last season even when they finished in the top half defensively they were ranked as, as one of the worst teams in the league i think there's only two teams that allowed more expected goals against than leeds did last season um, and this season it's remained very very much the same um really struggling to keep their opponents out but the big difference and why they're not in the top half this season or at least pushing for that is their attacking process has just dropped off um you know even at home their xg process kind of tells us the story averaging around one and a half expected goals for per game last season that was around 1.75 so we've seen a little bit of a drop there um and defensively they're allowing around 1.75 expected goals against per game so you know they're producing a negative xg process in front of their own fans um, and, you know, it's worth just touching on that game against Everton last week because they managed to create just 0.34 expected goals in that entire match, which is a staggeringly low number for a team that does play such expansive football. Um, only away at Manchester City this season in, in a 7-0 defeat did they actually p- produce a worse expected goals against number um, than against an Everton team that defensively looked hopeless the week before against Newcastle. So, really strange performance and, and you know, sometimes... Um, game to game it's really difficult to try and put your finger on certain things from an XG standpoint and that is ultimately why XG is a, is a tool best used for over a longer period of time and to try and understand where teams will end up rather than what they've done um, and ultimately I think in this match Leeds will end up on the uh, on the end of a defeat because Manchester United um, as well as Leeds performing you know, like a bottom half team really struggling to keep chances out. Manchester United have really improved uh, in recent weeks under Rangnick. And I think that's something that's gone slightly under the radar because of the negative results, or say negative, but the, the amount of draws that they've sort of accumulated. Um, because they've won the XG battle in, I think, eight eight of the last 10 under Rangnick in the league, only losing it against Brentford and Aston Villa. Um, and, you know, against Southampton last weekend, they created an abundance of chances, 2.47 expected goals, so more than enough to really sort of stamp their authority and, and take at least a 2-0 lead into half-time. Um, and it was the same against Brighton as well. I think they, they really struggled to create before the early, the Ronaldo goal, but after that, and obviously the sending off contributed, but they did end up racking up two and a half expected goals. And um, overall, since Rannick's appointment, they've been averaging 1.8 expected goals for and 1.2 expected goals against per game. Now, caveat that with the fact that he, ha- he has had a very kind schedule with... United not playing any of the current top four, uh, top big three. They've they've only played against um, West Ham of the current top eight, so they've had a very kind schedule. But they are trending in the right direction, and I fully agree with Mark in terms of a, a bet for this game and just getting Manchester United on side. I think they can go there and, and do a job on Leeds. I don't think he'll be as chaotic as as what we saw um, at Old Trafford last, early on in the season and obviously last season where it was sort of open end to end ding dong battle. I don't think. Rannick will let that happen. He's tried to tighten things up slightly 
uh, and we are seeing more improvements defensively in terms of limiting chances. Um, but I'm fully expecting United to go there and get a result. Betfair trader Emmett O'Keefe has been crunching the numbers so you don't have to. Emmett, it's an interesting point about Rangnick because I think a lot of people are saying, oh, well, he was supposed to be a football genius. He's barely had an impact. But actually, they have been trending in the right direction. And to get that group of players who've been underperforming for quite some time to suddenly start playing football like 1970 Brazil and winning games 4 or 5 nil was never going to happen. It's basically down to whether they finish fourth or not, isn't it? Absolutely. I think the kind of what I was hoping for as a United fan when he came in was kind of like something like Gus Hiddink did a did a Chelsea many years ago, kind of a, a stabilizing job. But as you said, like given his brief revolution is impossible, I think if he can kind of get this team to perform at a kind of a we'll say six and a half, seven out of ten level, I think is the most you probably can expect. I think that is what we're getting at the moment. I think the, the most promising sign is I think the most talented, talented United attacker in the squad is Jaden Sancho. I think he's been, I think the, the way he's been, he's been treated fairly shamefully at the club for the whole for the whole season. I think of United's attackers, Sancho was the one player I think as well who looks to create for others. Whereas like so obviously Rashford, Ronaldo, um, I think generally when they get in a good position, they're looking for the shot rather than the pass. So I think Sancho's improvement has. Has been kind of has been impressive in recent weeks, and just to kind of go back to what Jake said about the XG improvement, like in the last five games, they've actually won the XG battle fairly comfortably, and even the Middlesbrough match in the FA Cup, obviously, kind of the headlines you see are the kind of gnashing of teeth. Oh, United go down to Middlesbrough, but actually, in the ninety minutes, United destroyed Middlesbrough. Like it was a a four-one type of type yeah. of game. But United missed and the equaliser was an outrage. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So it was, <laughs> it, was, it was a total outlier game. United faded a bit in extra time, but that's that's not the end of the world. World. And I think, like, I think everything in terms of United's performance level is trending upwards. And like, I think, I think Leeds, I, I think Bielsa, I think I, 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 um, there, there was a game United played Leeds um, in, in the previous season where it was a nil all, and we saw like, a lot of tactical fouling from Leeds to stop United counterattacks. I think that's probably Leeds' Leeds's best approach to try, try and limit United. But without Calvin Phillips, it's just it's basically impossible to see Leeds not giving up a lot of chances to Rashford and Sancho on the counter-attack. Um, and I think if, yeah, I think United you know, look at a very, very solid betting proposition at just under evens. And I think if you're looking for something, maybe maybe a kind of bigger price, like United are over, over three and a half goals, around seven to one. We've seen Arsenal score four goals at Ellen Road early in the season. We've seen United score five goals and six goals against Leeds in in the last couple of seasons. So I think that, 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 that looks definitely worth a small bet too. Pretty grim picture for Leeds then. Now, we know how frustrating it is when you get frozen out of a bet. So, Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match holds over, under, and gold markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Wolves reignited their hopes of a top-four finish as they beat Spurs last weekend, while Leicester's complete and utter inability to defend set plays cost them two points as they drew 2-2 with West Ham. Jake, how's this one going, Wolves? The 2.34 favourites here. Well, you mentioned it there, the set pieces, um, and that is my angle of attack again. Uh, Obviously, had a little dip into the market in the long shot, centre-back, anytime goal scorers uh, in the, the Southampton-Everton game. I'm doing the same in this match because there's a couple of prices that stand out to me and, and I'll go through some of the numbers. So, in general, Leicester are on track to be one of the worst defensive teams in goals ever seen. 
another trophy that can be handed out <laughs> from the end of the Marvellous. season. You'll be pleased to know. We can have our own uh, ceremony, couldn't we? Award ceremony. They can put it next to the Community Shield and the FA Cup, <laughs> and we'll just put that trophy on the end. But we know which one's worth more, don't we? Oh, and the um, Premier League, of course. L- yes, lest I yeah. forget, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're allowing around 2.04 expected goals against per game. Um, and that is currently joint worst bait since 2014 with Aston Villa in 1920 season. Somehow Jack Grealish managed to keep them up in that season, which just still remains an absolute miracle. Um, but just in general, they're defensively shocking overall in any phase of the game. But particularly from set pieces, we've seen a real weakness, as you highlighted with Craig Dawson last week. He was actually the, the eighth centre-back goal scorer that scored against Leicester in the last 14 Premier League matches, which wow. is an astonishing figure. I, That's you know, horrific, I, isn't it? That's yes, really it's, dreadful. Um, you know, and I think that those eight goals have come in seven games. So you're looking at a centre-back scoring in half of the, you know, 50% of the time when, when Leicester play. Um, and from a set-piece standpoint, I mentioned Everton's sort of wo- woeful figures. Um, Leicester's just, just behind them at 0.47 expected goals against per game from set-pieces. So they are conceding, you know, a bucket load of chances and good chances as well from set-pieces, which... It's a bit of a surprise because there are some big bodies in there. I know they're missing some key players, obviously, like just of Johnny Evans and uh, and Fafana and, and even Vestergaard, if he was uh, fit and available prop for a prolonged period of time, might have been able to halt this kind of um, issue. But, you know, when we flip over to Wolves and, and look at them from a set-piece standpoint, um, you know, around 29% of their expected goals that they create comes from set-pieces, comes from those dead ball situations. Um, so, basically, what I'm saying is that at some point during this game, Wolves will get two, three, four chances to score from dead ball situations. Um, and ultimately, it's just about picking your picking your player that you think might be the one of those to, to, to sort of take advantage. And at the mark in the market, you've got Romain Sice, who's sort of thirteen to two, which is a little bit short for me, really, when you compare him to some of the other players um, that I'm going to talk about. He averages 0.12 expected goals per ninety-five. Uh, Connor Cody at 12 to 1 is probably the bigger price and, and I wonder if he's priced on his goal scoring record over the last however long 10 years I think he scored his first Premier League goal last season didn't he even though he'd been in the league for 3-4 years he's actually scored twice already this season so he's a potential candidate at the biggest price at 0.08 expected goals per 95 so you know he's been getting on the end of maybe one header chance per game um, and then the other one that I really like is at 10 to 1 is Leandro Dendonka who Jean Martino has been struggling with injury, so he's been he's come into the side. He's played the last two matches, obviously scored at Spurs. He's averaging 0.13 expected goals per 95. He's a big lad, big you know, he's big body, really good in the air. Used to play in sort of in and around the front three for Nuno um, as a more of an advanced midfield player. Um, he's 10 to one to score any time. So for me, I, I'd be looking at Cody and Dendonka um, splitting your stakes, small stakes, obviously. I was going to say that, Jake. Is it worth with such big prices? You're kind of, it's worth spreading that stake, isn't it? Maybe even to three players if the prices are so massive. Absolutely, yeah. If, if you think you've got an angle like this where you've got a weak defensive team from set pieces taking on a really strong one, um, and you know the, the flow of the game obviously dictates how many set pieces each team's going to get, because there is a chance that Wolves take an early lead, maybe go 2 0 up and just sort of sit back, and then you, you're sort of begging them to sort of attack for once. But, um, you know, the way in which Leicester are playing, the while they are looking really, really poor defensively, they are still creating chances in attack. And, you know, we saw that against West Ham 
last week that they are still creating chances and scoring goals so there is every chance Leicester take a lead in this game uh, and Wolves are the team on the front foot and then before you know it they've racked up six seven corners and you've had a fair few chances at, at having one of these long shots land but yeah you're right in terms of staking plans um, you know I wouldn't be put anybody off back in maybe even four players Dendonka, Cody, Kilman and, and Sice and just sort of staking accordingly to, to the prices um, but for me that the two that stand out at the slightly bigger prices are Cody and Dendonka just when we look at the expected goals figures the number of goals they've scored already this season um, and you know the, the fact that Sice is considerably shorter because you know, even though he's on the same number of goals as, as, uh, as Cody and Dendonka Emmett what's your take on this one similar angles do we expecting Leicester to struggle defensively here Literally the exact same angle. Um, so no, but I, I, yeah, I echo everything Jake said. Like the in Leicester, I think it's definitely worth a look in the shots on target markets as well because, like Leicester, Leicester have conceded a shot on target to a center to a, to a central defender in each of their last five matches. And just from obviously they were a little bit unlucky with with Dawson's goal last week, but watching you just felt it was inevitable when they're conceding set piece at the end. It's just like uh, you knew you knew a chance was coming. So as I think as Jake said, if the kind of if the game, especially if um, it might even be worth even look, looking in play because on, on Betfair you'll be able to back shots on target and play. If Leicester went one or two goals, two goals up, and, and Wolves were forced to come out of their shell, I think I think I think that that that, that, that might be worth looking at as well. Um, yeah, like looking at I was looking at the stats as well. Saïs and Dendonker basically have nearly the, nearly the same shots on target, the same shot statistics. But you might get Dendonker playing in a more advanced position and at a bigger price. So I'd echo what Jake said. He's he's the way I'd, he's the way I'd be looking. It's worth bearing in mind our fantastic multiples offers running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. To Germany then and Borussia Mönchengladbach picked up a critical win in the Bundesliga last weekend and looked okay doing it as well as they beat Augsburg. They've still got plenty of work to do to avoid the drop. Borussia Dortmund won impressively at Union Berlin at time of recording. We don't don't know how they got on against Rangers in the Europa League, but suddenly, Mark, after Bayern lost against Bochum last weekend, the gap between the top two is only six points. So, how will the Marco Rosa derby turn out between Dortmund and his old club Gladbach? Um, shall, shall I say it that there's there's no title race in Germany, um, regardless? Of I think we've said that for a while, to be honest, haven't we? Really? Uh, it's it's annoying, isn't it? Buy and lose, and Dortmund win. Suddenly, you go oh, potentially. No, nah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, um, no. Yeah, I mean, Dortmund have been the second best team, not just by the league league table, but also by the underlying data and the process so far this season. But they are a long, long, long way off Bayern, and uh, but they are the best of the rest so far. And um, the bulk of that sort of record has been built upon their their record at Signal Iduna Park where results have quite often matched their their attacking dominance really. They've won nine of eleven, scored at least twice in all eleven games as well. Um obviously they were they were embarrassed by Leverkusen in the last home game. Uh, quite a shocking defensive performance. But as you say, bounced back impressively at Union. Uh, it's very rare for a team to run out three 0 winners in Berlin. Um so you know that will give them a lot of confidence and I think they'll come into this game in a in a decent headspace really. Um Gladbach, yes, they beat Augsburg three two last weekend, but I wouldn't read too much into that. Most teams should, in theory, be beating Augsburg at home. And um, yeah, it's been a, an interesting campaign, isn't it? They've already beaten Dortmund and Bayern twice this season, but uh, their form has kind of nosedived since November. Six defeats and 10, includes that 6 0 shocking defeat at home to Freiburg as well. 
lost their exceptional sporting director, um, sort of a plenty of debate about the direction the club is going in, but ultimately defence has been their, their downfall uh, more than anything really. And um, yeah, conceding two goals at home to Augsburg is <laughs> is pretty poor. And, and overall, they've kept two clean sheets in the Bundesliga this season, uh, giving away 1.82 goals per game on average, um, which is pretty much in line with what the, the performance data expected goals ratings are saying. My ratings have them as a bottom half team this season, which is almost unheard of in recent memory for Gladbach. And um, yeah, six defeats and 11 away from home. It's quite ominous, really. And I knew it was bad, uh, their record at Dortmund, but I didn't realise it was quite this bad. They've lost 15 of the last 16 visits, which is horrendous, really. And you think they'll probably have arrived in Dortmund in much ruder health than they will this weekend as well. And also, we kind of got the elephant in the room to discuss too, with Erling Haaland being confirmed as being missing for the Rangers game. But uh, he trained midweek uh, with the squad, and there's talk that he might be involved from the bench uh, if all goes well uh, between now and Sunday, um, which just adds uh, an extra kind of level really for Dortmund, who I think will win this match, but uh, they're not going to win. If they do win it, it's not going to be a 1 0 win. So you can back Dortmund to win and over one and a half goals uh, better than 1.8, which I think is a, a fair enough play to take here. We started the show with the War of the Roses. I suppose that's the War of the Roses or something like that. <laughs> so let's nip to La Liga because Champions League chasing Betis are hoping to move a step closer to a top four finish as they face Mallorca. Now, was this Emmett or Jake? I've forgotten. Who had this one? Hands up. I'm hoping it was Emmett because I've got nothing for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Emmett then. He's trying to avoid it, but it's Emmett's pick. No, it is. It is me here. I've actually, <laughs> Betis are actually, I think, one of the more kind of breakout teams. It's kind of the most, they're one of the most entertaining, yeah. entertaining sides in the Liga. Their matches are averaging over over three goals a match. One of they're one of only three teams in, in La Liga, which you can say that about. I think it's if anyone's looking for kind of a some high quality, high quality YouTube compilation, look up. I think look up uh, Nabil Fakir this season. He's playing oh, some of the best football, best footballer, what a football player. career for best football yeah. of his career. He's averaged, I think he only, Icar Munoyin is averaging more key passes per game than Fakir in La Liga this year. He's six goals, six assists, and he and he really drives the bus for this Betis team. But I, I, I just, I, I think this might be slightly more, a slightly more open game than the odds, than the odds suggest. Uh, with, with, with Bellis as as a kind of an eight eight to fifteen favourite, I, I think like over two and a half goals currently trading around four to five in the exchange. I think Mallorca have shown enough in recent weeks in, 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 to, to, to suggest that they would at least they will at least score one goal. And I can see this being maybe kind of a a two one three one Bellis kind of game. I, I I just had over two and a half half goals slightly shorter than than what's on the exchange. So that's that's the way I'd look if you're looking for a bit of evening's entertainment on Sunday. Now, it's not a football-only better weekend if we don't have a Serie A goals tip. Mark, we're checking in with your old friend Sassuolo, but they're up against quite tough opposition. So which way are we going with this? Yeah, just a combination of the two, really. Support the, the dominant home team in Inter Milan and support a goals angle too. Um, goal trends have dipped slightly in Serie A over the past few weeks. So we're down to 2.99 goals per game. Uh, no, what are we going to do? <laughs> we can't have that. Well, the Bundesliga has, has charged well ahead of Italy now, so um, that's where the goals are at. But 58% of games in Italy have featured both teams scoring. Um, we got a goal expectancy for Inter Milan against Sassuolo at 3.65, and the goal line is set around 3.5, yet both teams to score this week was trading at around 1.75, which... Yeah. Are Inter going to run run out four new winners in this match? Possibly, but I think it's probably more unlikely and pro- probably more likely that Sassuolo 
get on the score sheet too because Inter have had a really tough schedule recently. Um, we obviously know about the Champions League match midweek against Liverpool where they put in a huge amount of effort and, and came away with, with little reward. Um, Napoli at the last weekend where they were second best, particularly in the first half and, and quite fortunate really to take a share of the spoils. Beaten in the derby uh, the weekend before, but also they've had Coppa Italia matches to contend with too. They played Roma last midweek, so it's been a busy schedule for them. And um, I think I said on the Champions League podcast that they haven't been quite as dominant defensively, particularly against the best teams in Italy and across the continent too. And they're coming up against a really attack-minded Sassuolo team. We've done them to death. We know what they're all about. They've only failed to score in four games in Serie A so far this season. They've scored in 14 of 15 games against teams above them in the table. Uh, and both teams have scored in 14 of those 15 as well. But they really fancy the big occasion. They've won away at Milan. Uh, they've won away at Juve. They've beaten Lazio at home. They've held Napoli and Roma at home as well. They're not intimidated by these big clubs or surroundings. And team news is quite positive for them going forward with Raspadori back and, and Scamacca as well. Uh, two of their leading lights in the final third. But they are missing one of their better centre-halves in Ferrari, who is uh, suspended. And they've only kept two clean sheets all season as well. So that is a concern. Um, but Inter, Bastoni is suspended their best centre-half they've conceded in 12 of 16 when playing teams in 13th and above including 6 of 7 at San Siro um, so yeah and what do we like to do we like to back Sassuolo and both teams to score which is banked in 20 of their 25 league games um, and we also think you know Inter are probably the best team in the division uh, and I expect them to get the job done so just combine the two Inter are very short I think they're around 1.3 to win this match uh, but you can back them with both teams to score at 2.4 it might be actually quite bigger than that on the exchange uh, when the market is available come the weekend so yeah I think it's it's a nice way of combining the two that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. We've got lots of different shows on the Betfair podcast network, including the Cheltenham Rawcast, uh, which will be a regular show between now and when the festival begins. Also, lots of previews across betting.betfair.com. We've got Champions League, Europa League, all of the major European leagues, and every single Premier League game is covered on there as well. From Emmett, from Jake from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now.